Y'all have a great weekend too. Great show. Thank you. Hey there. Trey? How you doing? Can you hear me? You got me? Can you hear me? I got you. Okay. Thank goodness. How you doing today? (laughs) Good. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Just had to run up to school unexpectedly. This is going to be day one of my kids coming back from school on their own on their bikes. But I got a call from my daughter first thing this morning after they had arrived at school saying that her bike was messed up and that she needed help. So went up to school in the morning, fixed the bike, which it wasn't really broken. It was just the gear hadn't dropped to the a lower gear that she had turned it to and then had to meet them up there because there was going to be a lot of confusion otherwise if i'm trying to put four to five sentences in a school note into each of my kids classrooms it was bound to be a disaster so <laughs> rather than do that i just said meet me at the normal spot they met me at the normal spot we went and walked over and got her bike after we got my son's bike because they insisted on parking it their bikes at different bike racks Lovely enough. And uh, yeah, and then I got home just in time to start the show. So uh, you're at work, as we can see with that orange wall. I can't clearly, as you can also see, I can't get the settings right over here. So I feel like I was looking as orange as the background. So I was messing with my light a little bit. Yeah, I had to I had to uh, go with the computer camera for the latter part of this week because I'm dealing with some stuff with the camera that I normally use, which is a much better camera, but it's causing a slight delay with the picture versus the words coming out of my mouth. So I don't want to look like I'm in an old Kung Fu movie. So I'm having to figure out how to uh, correct the lag or create a little bit more of a lag with the audio feed. So until I do that, we're just going to be going back to the less than optimal webcam through my computer. I think this one looks pretty good. Does it? I'll be honest. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, maybe, maybe I won't even mess with it then. Maybe this will just be the camera again going forward. Maybe I'm you, you were in Houston at that game last Saturday. Yeah. You know, I, it was one of those tough calls in this, in this industry where like, I'm not the beat writer for the paper. So while I want to be at every game, didn't necessarily need to be at that game, but I've also wanted to see a game there. Yeah. They have a really good team. I heard that atmosphere was going to be crazy, which it was, that was mm-hmm. the best part of it was the atmosphere. Um, but yeah, I, I would I would go ahead and chalk that up as uh, the old horns didn't exactly make that worth the trip. <laughs> but, but hey, like I said, I I wanted to see a game there. I mean, barring a move to Houston that I'm not planning on, or a trip to Houston I'm not planning on, I will never have really any other reason to go to a Houston basketball game, at least that I can foresee. So figured, hey, why not? I thought Texas would at least keep it close, like. My prediction for that game was more of a, you know, four to seven point Houston lead at the half, not a 13 point Houston lead at the half. And then, you know, Texas maybe kind of makes a run early and then Houston ends up winning by anywhere from eight to 12 points. That was kind of the game, the classic game that I had where, you know, it's not, not what played out, obviously. It did not happen. (laughs) Not happen. it's just two games in a row. And again, the opponent shows you that you can get away with different things, different days in different buildings, but not a great shooting performance, two games in a row for Texas. And you just are not going to get away with that when you're playing Houston for one. And when you're playing Houston in their building, 
you know, they almost got away with it when they played Houston at home a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, not even close. And then they had a couple sloppy turnovers and Jamal sheds the real deal. I mean, that dude is an absolute beast. Like they're, they're uh, their main big guys really good too, obviously. So in a game like that, were you running the camera? You were holding a camera the entire time. Yeah, I was holding a camera and then I, yeah. I just did my, my sports cast from there. Okay, so in a game like that where you're responsible for the camera and you need to stay locked in enough, I guess, but the outcome is pretty well determined by the first commercial break of the second half, are you just focusing on getting B-roll the rest of the game, just getting video of guys who maybe aren't getting a ton of playing time in a given season once they finally enter the game with eight to ten minutes left, or are you putting the camera down at some point and just – doing more observing than anything else or starting to uh, think out what you want to say about the game and uh, for the rest of the sports cast? Pretty much all the above actually, but mainly definitely getting some more ISOs of different guys so that like I bring it back here and then I put it in our archive system. Like I got Chris Johnson checking into the game, talking to Rodney Terry. Mm. So let's say Chris Johnson becomes a key contributor next year. Hey, they keep talking about Chris Johnson you know, just like we see in football all the time, like they'll talk about a guy a bunch during this during the season and maybe he or during the offseason and guy that barely played as a freshman. And then, boom, it's like, well, wish I had that video much easier in basketball when there's really only what, you know, 10 guys, 10 scholarship guys, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm getting that, getting different assistant coaches, getting shots of Rodney. I am still shooting the game, though, because like there are, a bunch, there are some Kendall Weaver plays that I'll use for the archive later. And also with Jamal Shedd being an Austin guy, like let's say Texas is an early exit from the tournament or doesn't make the tournament. You bet your ass uh, there'll be four or five local TV stations in this town trying to do a story on Jamal Shedd. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to, and, and some writers as well for the local paper. So yeah, that's usually what I'm doing is just getting that kind of stuff. One, one funny story from the game, I'm not going to name which assistant coach it was. Uh, not that it would be bad if I did, but before the game, there was a bit of a delay with Texas being able to warm up on one of the baskets because there was a national TV camera, the camera on top, like the dunk cam, basically that looks down at the basket. Mm-hmm. And if you watch this game, let me know in the comments because you, you definitely saw the delay. I don't know if they talked about it. I wasn't watching the broadcast, but the camera, they couldn't get the camera right. So then they just left it like down and guys were dunking in warmups. And I walked by a UT assistant coach and I said, like, that thing's going to fall. I didn't say it's going to delay the game, but we were joking around. He's like, yeah, someone might knock it off. Like obviously just kind of being like tongue in cheek. Like I'm sure even if they're not going to use the camera, that it's not going to fall. Well, sure as shit about with about what, maybe seven minutes left. The game was in hand. It was, I think definitely under 10 minutes left. The camera falls almost like into the basket. Oh, wow. So they had to delay the game for probably five to 10 minutes, run out a crew with the biggest ladder I've ever seen and essentially pull the camera off of there. And I said, you know, that was my only prediction that actually panned out for that game was before the game saying, Hey, that camera is going to fall. <laughs> I wish I was right about anything that happened on the court. Yeah. But that was just a funny tidbit that I thought if you were watching the game, at home, you probably noticed that or noticed that there was a longer than normal delay. I don't, I don't know how that was, was covered on the CBS broadcast. So were you at the game on Monday night then the Kansas state game? 
Yeah, I was at that game too. Much better effort by that Texas team. Actually, it was a similarly ugly offensive affair other than Dylan DeSue doing a great job. But you tell me if you notice this covering the game on the floor. Watching on television, it looked like Kansas State didn't want to be there with the exception of Tyler Perry. It looked like that team was just completely over this two-game road trip that saw them suffer a pretty heartbreaking defeat to TCU just a couple days prior. I said to somebody in the in the media room, <laughs> just like, you know, because we all get in there, we talk about the game, talk about what, what, what'd you see, all that kind of stuff. And a bunch of us are just like, that team's not very good. Like, credit Texas for having one of their worst shooting performances of the season. Not a single starter in that game hit a three-point basket for Texas, Trey. Wow. Not a single starter. So, that was, yeah, that was brutal to watch. But again, give Texas credit, even if Kansas State is a team that I thought they would come out looking more desperate, like, hey, we need to save our season. They came out looking more like, what you described the team that basically had given up on their season. Now I always, one thing I hate doing is questioning effort, but that was, that was not a, not a performance that, uh, you know, looked like it was filled with effort and intensity from, from Kansas state. Like you said, Perry was, Perry was getting after it. Um, he was really the only reason they kind of stayed in that game. And then, and then I can't remember his name, but, and then one, one had a good game too. And the two guys they brought to the podium after were disappointed in, in, in what happened, you know. But, yeah, it was it was pretty obvious that <laughs> that they looked like they didn't want to be there. I agree. All right, well, I'm glad I didn't miss that one because that was not – I don't want to say uninspired effort by Texas. It just wasn't a very good game for them. And you give Kansas State's defense some credit for that. They are, metrics-wise, a good defensive team. And it was just one of those fortunate nights where they – played a team who either wanted it less or just somehow played even worse than that. Plus the Dylan DeSue factor can help to uh, negate a poor performance across the board for the rest of that roster because he doesn't really have any off nights at this point. Max Asmus actually has off nights. It's been a weird two to three weeks for him, by the way. He's had good scoring games, but I feel like he's been more off than on. Uh, Tyrese Hunter, it felt like he was uh, heading down the road of having a good game in the first half, but ultimately his numbers were fairly pedestrian. Dylan Mitchell did his typical thing. I don't know if Kendall Weaver was sick. He played a surprisingly low number of minutes, and he looked a little bit drained too. I think he ended up with less than 20 minutes in the game. So a guy like IT Horton gets some more minutes, and they're encouraging him to shoot to try and find his shot now. Shedrick gets some time, brought Cunningham as well. But uh that roster pretty much stunk other than Dylan DeSue, but the DeSue factor was enough, at least against another 5-7 and seven team in conference. Yeah, I still can't get over that Brock and IT Horton were the only two Longhorns that hit threes. They <laughs> only made three threes all game, and they shot just under 16%. So, yeah. again, I think, I think you've got to give credit to a team that when you find a way, because as much as it looked like Kansas State didn't want to be there, that's still a Big 12 team that's – as much as they're falling apart of late, they still won some games. And we know that the old cliche is true in this conference that, and we've seen it with Texas, literally we've seen it in front of our eyes twice with the UCF loss and the West Virginia loss. Anybody can beat anybody any given night. They, they step on the floor in big, in big 12. I mean, ask Texas's next opponent, Kansas, what happened when they went to Orlando to face UCF? I'm sure they didn't think they were going to lose to, <laughs> to UCF. Now much worse for Texas doing that at home, 
Um, but still, to your point, the Dylan DeSue effect is 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 real. And I think if I'm going to continue to uh, be glass half full guy with this team, you have to look at what happened to Max Asmus and say that, you know, assuming he figures it out, if he's going to have a stretch like this during the season, you would much rather it happen now and he figures it out and then gets hot come end of the season. Maybe it starts one of these next two games on the road where if you steal one of these two games, it takes a ton of pressure off of you now to win the two games against unranked teams when you come back home against the Oklahoma schools. Because basically if you lose these next three road games, especially these next two against Tech and Kansas, it makes those other two games essentially feel like almost must win. You know, at least to leave it out of the committee's hands and to kind of control your own destiny. Um, so, yeah, hopefully they can get Max Asmus going because if they can't get Max going, it could get ugly quickly like it did against Houston the other night. Yeah, because he's the only other reliable score that this team has right now. Texas, by the way, is at the top of the bottom half of the Big 12 standings, if that makes sense. It's 6-7. and seven. They are tied for 8th in the <laughs> conference. It's 14-team Big 12 conference. Tied with Oklahoma, of all teams, who is their last opponent of the regular season before that conference tournament gets going in Kansas City. And the last thing that you want to do if you're Texas is, I mentioned putting pressure on those two home games to end the season. You don't want to put too much pressure on the Big 12 tournament now. There's nothing worse than being the team that says, like, man, we got to win two games in the Big 12 tournament, or we can't lose this first one. Like, basically, I know people say, you know, teams will say, oh, we're playing every game like it's an NCAA tournament game this type of year. Like, yes, you are, but if you're really doing that out of necessity right now, that's not a good thing. And this Texas team is a couple more losses away from essentially by mandate if they want to make the NCAA tournament, turning every game into a March Madness, you know, level of importance game. Yeah, let's see. It is Friday, which I believe means that Joe Lenardi put out his latest bracketology standings. Let me take a look at that real quick. I think they were, the last time he had it updated, they were an eight. Joe Lenardi. All right, today at 9 a.m. Top overall seed, Purdue. First team out, Wake Forest. Last team in A&M. They're not on the bubble. They are squarely in the tournament right now which shouldn't be surprising. They've hovered somewhere around 8 to 10 for the last uh, last few weeks. And Lenardi this morning has them as an 8 seed playing against Boise State in Salt Lake City in that Los Angeles quadrant of the bracket. And if they were to win that game, they would face number one Arizona. Hey, I watched the end of that Arizona game last night, the Arizona-Washington State game. Yeah. I watch some of the most random basketball, Trey. Like when I get home after these shows, I can't – I don't know if you've ever worked a really like late schedule. Oh, yeah. But for me, everyone's different. I can't just like flip the switch when I get home. Having a little bit longer commute has helped a bit. Like I have to sit and like have a drink or something and, and watch something before I just like go to bed. I don't know if it's just because I'm wired. And also the last thing that I do – during the workday is the most important thing that I do during the workday. So there's a little bit of adrenaline involved with that. But anyway. Oh, you're saying actually putting, putting the work onto the air at the end of the night. Yeah. Like going and then like reporting with energy 
is arguably the most important part of the job at six and 10 and whatever other platforms I'm doing that on. So mm. the 10 is the last, last part of it. So yeah, anyway, I come home and I get to watch random ass games. Like, although it wasn't that random, it was a rank ranked matchup, but Arizona state or Arizona versus Washington state, two really good teams. Awesome game. But again, it's, it's not, this isn't even me saying something about Texas. Like this goes for every NCAA tournament, but especially in this, these last kind of five years of college basketball, like if Arizona is going to be a one seed, I mean, that is that is a very beatable team. It's a very good team. Caleb Love looked awesome last night. That other big dude they have, Balo, whatever his name is, he he looked awesome. Like I would hate to see Texas have to try to stop him, but that is a beatable team. I mean, Washington State was ranked 21st in the country, I think, mm. and they went to Arizona and beat them. So, um, you know. And Lenardi's going to switch it up every single time. Like, I think the other one he had them, the most recent one, maybe they had them playing Purdue in a different, or had them facing Purdue in a potential second round matchup with the one seed. So you never really know. But um, yeah, I think the tournament's fun, even if, you know, you're a Texas fan and they're going to be a seven, anywhere from a seven to an 11 seed, it seems like, depending on how much they potentially overachieve or slip at the end of the year. Um, I mean, I think it's fun knowing like, yeah, you could go beat a one. Like would I bet on it? No, but sure. I mean, it happened, happened last year. Happened to Kansas last year. It did. You know, just having watched this team play really good competition, either on the road or at neutral site games this year. And I know Oklahoma at the time was ranked. They don't really count though. They're in that, uh, they're not in that last in category here in this bracket, but they're sitting at the same record that Texas is in big 12 standings right now. But UConn Marquette and uh, the Houston game this last Saturday shows me that they are not ready for prime time against the best competition and especially teams that have really good big guys too. Like that is a problem for this team that is sorely lacking on depth down low. And that's why tomorrow is going to be a great test for them. And I talked with BK about this a little bit earlier, this Kansas team, obviously once again, the cream of the crop in the big 12, uh, Hunter yeah. Dickinson, one of the best uh, big guys in college basketball, much like Dylan DeSue, he can do it from all three levels. So the question for me tomorrow with whether Texas can hang with Kansas is what are they going to do defensively on Dickinson? BK thought they would start with DeSue on Dickinson, which I think does make sense. But you have to be careful there because you don't want him spending too much of his primary energy on the defensive end of the court, having to guard that dude that is leaving him drained on the other end. Because if they don't have DeSue going offensively as well as needing one or two other guys to get it going, that's going to be a big problem and likely lead to another blowout on the road. So I'd probably like to see a fair amount of Dylan Mitchell on Dickinson with maybe Dylan DeSue coming over on help side defense at times because he's been great in that role this year. And I think one of one of the things that I said early on with you was, and maybe it was a little too early when I jumped on this, but I thought a guy like Zarek on Yemma would be getting more minutes at this point. And, you know, clearly if Rodney thought he could help them win immediately, like he would be playing more, but he's a guy where if he had developed at this point to where Rodney felt comfortable putting him out there for even 15 to 20 minutes, like that helps you against a Dickinson, a KJ Adams, you know, if you have a guy down there that, frankly, I know we give Brock shit for this, but can kind of just eat up some fouls. Like, they don't have to be hard fouls, but just play a guy tough and not have to worry about 
putting them on the line and getting your second foul at the 13 minute mark of the first half. So not having a guy like that, that they can immediately go to and trust, uh, I think, I think has been tough for this team, but yeah, I mean, I, I like your plan there. (laughs) I don't, maybe I haven't even thought of a plan because after watching them against Houston, I just don't think they're going to (laughs) win. No, I, I haven't even like you and BK have, have detailed the game plan for, uh, for Rodney and the staff. Wait, well, way more deep, than I have. That's as deep as my game plan goes. <laughs> yeah. I think that it's going to be another one of those games where I can comfortably turn it off at the first commercial break of the second half, much like last Saturday's game. And like, I think, if, again, not to be captain obvious, but the last two games, the way they've gone, this game's really just going to come down to early on. Like, can they hit a freaking shot? Like, they are just so frustrating to watch sometimes, mm-hmm. you know. And then, and then when they can't hit a shot. They can't help themselves out like just missing the front ends of one and ones. And I heard Rodney say this to Craig way yeah. af- after the game. He even said, he goes, that's a turnover. Missing the front end of a one and one is a freaking turnover. And I love that. Like, I hope he's preaching that to the guys because look, you're going to miss free throws here and there, but man, it's just maddening how many freaking front ends of one and ones I've seen them miss. And I think I can handle watching a team like if they go to Kansas tomorrow and they play really well or pretty well, almost like the, the 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 BYU game might be a good example of that. They went on the road to BYU. They played pretty well. And BYU shot their best shooting percentage of the entire season to that point. I haven't watched much of them since. Like that I think I can leave with and say, you know what? Hey, like could we have made it a little closer? Sure. But like we played pretty well. They played their asses off. They were at home. They're probably a better team at this point in the season. All right. But when you're just not even giving yourself a chance to scare the other team or put pressure on them in the second half, which is what happened against Houston, where there was a point in that game where I think it was 22 to 20, they missed two front ends of one and ones, and Houston went down, scored a two, scored a three. It was 27 20. I looked at the guy next to me and said, The game's over. Like the game is over because you can't fall behind against them. You can do that crap against TCU and come back and win. Again, a tournament team a good road win for them, but they can't do that tomorrow. So I think it does come down to simply doing like making the little simple things, not look insanely difficult, doing those little simple things and then just shooting better. Because really, if they don't shoot better, like none of this matters. If they shoot anywhere close to the way they did against Kansas state, it it just does not matter. Like they're going to lose that game by 40. Yeah, even if they lose tomorrow, to see them start to figure some things out on offense is going to be huge for the stretch run of the season. Because right now, it's the offensive side of the ball that gives you the most pause with whether this team can even make it past the first or second round of the NCAA tournament. And even if Smith gets something going, we've seen him step up and have a couple of those heroic efforts this year, and he's been great at end-of-game situations and has hit a handful of game winners as well. Teams with good perimeter defenders are going to do what Houston did to him and what Kansas State did to him over these last couple of games. They're just going to smother him. They're not going to give him any room to work, and they're going to make it really hard for him to get the basketball. They're going to frustrate him and force him to pass the ball off. And when he does shoot, he's going to be shooting shots that he doesn't necessarily want to take. He's got to stop with the Steph Curry three-point range threes. By the way, I know he's hit a couple this year, but when you're missing like he's been missing – those shots are a complete waste of a possession. 
he, he hasn't been hitting them lately. I agree. I mean, I'm fine with that if he's feeling it. Like, he was feeling it against TCU, and then the second one that he hit in that stretch during that game where I think he had, like, I think he finished the game scoring the last 13 points. Yep. But it was it was a 9 or a 8 run. No, 9 run because he hit the layup, three-point play, free throw, give them a three-point lead. They got to stop. He hit that ridiculous step back three. Yeah. Then at that point, he's gotten them up six. I'm like, hey, okay. Fine. But yeah. no, but to- totally agree with you. The way he's been shooting now, like that shot doesn't need to be part of the offense until he starts to feel himself again. And once you, once re- you hit two or three threes, you're like, say, let's say three or four, three or five. Maybe give me a heat check at that point. But when you are struggling to get anything up and into the basket, that's that's just it's not helping anything. It's not helping your individual cause of trying to get your shot back on track. And it's not helping your team score points, which they're having a really hard time doing because you've been so off. And look, Trey, I'm getting tired, man. I'm getting tired. I've been pounding the table for this team. I've been I've been saying, wait for it. Give him a chance to gel. And I just I'm getting tired. I need something back. I need something back from the guys. If I'm going to keep pounding the table, <laughs> yeah. like I, I need I need to see something. I'm not saying that I'm ready to I'm ready to phone it in for him because again, I think moral victories are bullshit. I think we can all agree with that. No Texas program in any division one sport, any varsity level sport should be playing for moral victories. Uh, there are certain moments where you're like oh, on the road at Allen Fieldhouse, Like, okay. Like, again, like I said, just don't like with the Houston game, just don't look like complete crap. Yeah. And I think people, and I think people will understand and say, Hey, all right, look, you played well. You got something to take with you to tech on Tuesday night. Let's go from there. Oh boy, that is going to be hostile. I'm glad they get this taste with Houston and Kansas, and they got it with TCU too, because the most brutal away crowd they're going to face all season long is waiting for them in Lubbock next week. That's been the case for a couple of years now. And even though Chris Beard is no longer on the sidelines for the Longhorns, and I guess technically he wasn't for last year's game either, there's no fan base that hates this Texas basketball team more in the Big 12 right now than those who root against the Longhorns in Lubbock. So they get one more chance to do that. But Texas is a member of this conference. They're going to pull out all the stops. It's going to be horns down galore. Hey, maybe that helps Texas, though, because we've seen how this Texas team responds to fan bases getting really belligerent with the horns (laughs) down bit. But we will also have time to talk about that game on Monday before it happens the next day. So we won't uh, get into it too much right now. I I do think it's... I'm trying to think of a four game stretch road trip stretch that they could have put together for Texas. That's a worse combination for them with the, the two factors being really good team, really tough road atmosphere at a place and a school where they, they just want to beat the crap out of Texas one more time. Cause yeah. Houston, this was their only shot. It wasn't even like we want to get it one more time. It was like, this is our only shot. I mean, the last time they had played was freaking CBI in like 2013. And then Kansas, like, again, they're basketball fans. They're going to go crazy against everybody. I don't know if it's going to be like, there'll be horns down, obviously, like wherever they go, but I don't know if that one's as 
specifically like the the disdain for Texas specifically is there. But then the last two, I mean, two more top 25 teams, like you, what you said about Tech, and then Baylor's the same way too. In a brand new building, they're playing better lately. I mean, they're, I think, a top 15 team in the country right now. Like, <laughs> Could there have been a more brutal four-game stretch on the road for Texas than that? Like, I don't know. Is the Baylor really- game the following Monday? Yeah, because I think it's I think the schedule goes Kansas tomorrow, Tech on Tuesday, Oklahoma State on Saturday. And right. then I think Baylor's yeah, I think it's big Monday at eight PM. And then they close it with is, Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, but I'm looking at it right now. At home. Yeah, but Baylor on Monday, March fourth, and then Oklahoma at home at one PM. That's going to be squarely in the middle of me covering South by Southwest, the first weekend of South by Southwest. Sorry, Texas OU. I am not going to be watching the last iteration of that in the Big 12 because I'm going to be somewhere in downtown Austin at that time. I'll just brief you on it Monday when we talk. Uh, you know what? I can I can do some reading as well. I can record the game and go back and blow through it. And like basketball games are fun if you don't have sports are fun, actually, if you don't have to deal with commercial breaks. I'm going to talk about a succinct process. You can watch football games. Bat- you can get it all done in about an hour. Yeah, we've talked about this with, with the recording where, remember I told you the Cowboys playoff game and the wife was like, uh, yeah, no, I'm not going to pause it and wait for you. I have done that with basketball games. She doesn't care. She doesn't care. But she lets me do it with the basketball games where <clears throat> if it comes on at 11 and I haven't left for work yet or even one, you know, I'll pause it. And then I'll just like watch the first half on like basically fast forward mode. Yeah. Oh, can- stupid, stupid review of a play with 12 minutes left to go in the first half. Zoom, 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 zoom. Even like some of the possessions I'll, I'll zip through. Yeah. That plus 15 comes in really handy for replays for free throws, by the way. It's like, I'll see what happened with the free throws. I'll click it a couple of times. We'll see whether there's one or two points added, or maybe there's zero points added. If it's the, this front end of a one and one or two missed free throws altogether. Yeah. Basketball is especially nice. You don't realize how much downtime there is in basketball until you have the option of for- fast forwarding through some of it. And I completely defend Jasmine too, by the way, on her refusal to uh, wait for you for the football game. There's just too many people yeah. that are coming at you with what's happening live. And so you have to defend against that by also watching it live. It's truly one of the last things that we watch live together. Especially for a, especially for a playoff game too. Especially for a playoff game, I, yeah. Regular season games less so for sure, but I even understand it with regular season games too. You know how un- unrelated. You know how I know I'm I'm getting old. Like I was so pissed off about the front end of those one and ones. <laughs> like nothing made me more mad over the weekend than watching that. They're free points. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But I used to make fun of all the people in the crowd that would be like, they're free throws, free. <laughs> and now I'm that guy. I'm like, the, I'm like the progressive becoming your parents commercial. If you're going to miss one of two, it needs to be the second one so that you at least get the uh, that second opportunity. Yeah. And then when I heard Rodney tell Craig, it's a turnover. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. It's... It is a bit of a turnover. I was going to try and argue against that, but he, he is correct. You had an opportunity, an easy opportunity to score points, and you came away with a zero burger. 
which is especially hurtful down the stretch in a game. Like they let Kansas State stay in that game on Monday because they kept missing free throws. There were two missed free throws on one occasion. There was another uh, missed front end on the other occasion. And fortunately, Tyler Perry tried to go hero ball on the other end that led to his coach just laying into him at one point with just under a minute left. And that was pretty much it for Kansas State at that point. But uh, Texas, they lucked out, as we talked about at the beginning. They were playing a team that seemingly wanted to be there a little bit less. And even though it wasn't their best effort, they were able to come away with the win. And that's ultimately what matters all year long, but certainly uh, once you get to the middle to end of February. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've, we've said it a bunch of times on this show. When they go down later and review the resumes – whether it's, you know, Texas got hot late and it's, are they going to be a six or a seven, which they'd have to get really hot for that to happen. Well, not really. They're an eight right now. They'd have to win one or two of these games on the road and then do well in the big 12 tournament probably. Or if it's the other end of they're an 11, should we make them go to Dayton or should we send them to wherever else? They're not going to look and be like, I can't believe Kendall Weaver missed those two free throws late. They're just going to say, Hey, beat a solid K-State team who's going to get a, you know, one of the top seeds in the NIT. Like, hey, they beat them. They won the game. They're going to move on. According to Joe Lenardi, the Big 12 has nine teams in the tournament in his latest projections, which is the most of any conference. SEC has eight. And the next most after that is the Big 10 and Mountain West, each with six. So this is a gauntlet. Can I guess the Mountain West teams he has in? You have that up or no? Uh, I do, yeah. That Colorado State. Oh, wait a second. Oh, uh, boy, this is going to be difficult. Uh, uh, no, no, let's let's go, let's go. Colorado State, okay, check. Utah State, check. Nevada. Yes, Utah State is an automatic qualifier too. That's interesting. So they would win the conference tournament. Uh, Nevada. Hold on. I think Nevada's probably in there. Nevada, yes, they're a 10 seed. San Diego State? Yes, they're a four seed. Yeah, I think I'm out of teams now. <laughs> well, <laughs> <All four? laughs> I don't know who else is in the Mountain yeah. Conference. Oh, Boise State, who they have. Texas. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, Texas is supposed matchup right now. Um, gosh, guess that Mountain West Conference team. Um, that's how you know it's late February. Yeah, right. Colgate, no. Oakland, no. That's that's in uh, Michigan. Grand Canyon, they're not Mountain West, are they? Grand Canyon. I think they're um, West Coast. Okay. Uh, New Mexico, they're Mountain West. Oh, you said New Mexico, didn't you? I didn't. No. And is UC Irvine Mountain West, St. Mary's? No, they're uh, uh, UC Irvine's Big West. Okay, well, we're I'm done guessing. <laughs> Washington, Washington State, are they technically Mountain West yet? No, they're 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 hey, they're they're top and and or bottom of the barrel, depending on where you put them in the pack in the pack two. Yeah, that's true. Ooh, how about the news this week out of Dallas, where the college football playoff? Could be expanding before they've ever actually expanded. Wait, before that, I have the Pac-12's new motto. Yes. Or the Pac-2. If you're not first, you're last. 
<laughs> it's, it's literally true. Never been a truer statement about the Pac-12 <laughs> starting next year. And then maybe so, it could be said, even if you're first, you're still basically last because you're in the Pac-12. Because you're in the Pac-2 still. Oh well, yeah, you got left behind by everybody else. I mean, even Cal and Stanford found new homes, albeit with an, a desperate ACC that is clinging on for dear life right now, but is likely going to lose a legal battle with Florida State, which will lead to the Seminoles leaving and any other school with value, college football value, that is, leaving that conference as well. Which brings us to the meetings in the DFW area earlier this week where the College Football Playoff Committee got together to figure out what the heck that they can do to keep the SEC and Big Ten as a part of the equation after the 2025 season. These next two years, starting this coming season, 2024, we get that 12-team playoff. They did vote to make it a 5-7 and seven model, five automatic qualifiers, seven at-large bids, which is a change from the 6-6, six and six, which is a direct result of the Pac-12 being in shambles and only having two members starting next season. But there were also a lot of conversations about what they can do to hook the Big Ten and SEC up to keep them around after that. And part of me wonders how much of that is Big Ten and SEC toying with these other teams, these other conferences, saying, hey, how about you give us four automatic qualifiers? Hey, how about we get a uh, slightly different rev share model going where we actually get more than you guys do, even though we're already getting more than what you guys do. And unfortunately for those other conferences, they can't be too critical of any of these plans. They just have to talk about working fast to try and figure something out because there is a pending contract with ESPN and the college football playoff that would begin in 2026, but nothing's going to be signed until we know the future of the Big Ten and SEC. Well, and basically with this, they've completely boxed the group of five out or a group of group of whatever now, group of everybody else. I think that was a big takeaway from it too. Not that I expected anything different, but this kind of, to me, officially signaled what a lot of people have said, where we're almost moving towards that NFL model where it's basically going to be two conferences. And I guess for a little while you could say, yeah, there could be a, you know, if a Utah in the big 12 next year, or even in Arizona, I don't think they'll do that. Utah would probably be more likely, but if a Utah is 10 and two, or 11 and one and they win the conference like they might they might get in then but i think these other like the group of 5 is almost going to need to figure out their own their own plan if they want postseason play i mean i i guess there's still bowl games and things like that outside of the major bowl games but i mean they're not even getting the throw throw them one bone anymore <laughs> well they get the, they get the one bone for these next 2 years because Scaling it back to five means the four, the power four conferences minus the Pac-12 plus that fifth conference. And Washington State and Oregon State are going to try and argue, well, they can, one of the two of those two teams can still be a conference champ and get that fifth automatic bid, but it's likely going to go to one of those G5 conferences, but they should be trembling. And look, I get it. That wait, so, so Wait, sorry. So, you, so I'm understanding. You think they still, like, I thought this means like there's no chance for Liberty because... Like so, what are the four the four big conferences? I guess are the four big conferences are Big Twelve, ACC, Big Ten, and SEC. 
So those four will almost certainly get an automatic qualifier. It's not guaranteed. Oh, it's gotcha. the highest ranked conference champion, I believe. Oh, so it's still so that's how that would still kind of work in there, I guess. So the fifth would be whatever G five champion has the best ranking at the end of um, uh, conference championship weekend. Gotcha. Okay. But those schools are all trembling as are ACC schools and big 12 schools. Cause they realize just like what you said, where this is all headed. I would argue, even though it sucks not to be that top tier of college football, that you're going to be better off because you're going to have a legitimate shot to win a national championship in a given year in that second tier of college football. Once things reformulate, and we're probably going to get some sort of official announcement by the end of the summer. I would imagine like the, Big wigs coming out of those meetings in Dallas a couple of days ago were saying, we need to work fast. We need to figure something out in the next month. So there's a good chance by the spring game on April 20th that we know the SEC and Big Ten have decided to do something completely different versus what we'll be seeing these next two years. And it'll be a bit of a reset with (laughs) the Big Ten and SEC being on the receiving end of a ton of hate from these other conferences, much like what we saw with Texas and Oklahoma these last couple of years, with these other conferences being like, fuck you guys. You guys are leaving us behind here. You guys are too too good for us, and this is bullshit. You're ruining college football as a result. We'll see. College football is going to be very different, but I think that in a lot of ways it's going to make it better too. Yeah, and I mean, are we really going to miss these? I know they're going to – I think they're going to find a way to weave in bowl games and stuff still and call them call different games, certain bowl games, but these other bowl games, like if they ever did something drastic and made the group of five kind of went their own direction, almost an FCS level, like we were talking about, would we really miss a lot of these games? Would we really miss these bowl games? Like I'll watch them no matter what. I don't care, obviously, but I would rather watch a game, a quarterfinal matchup, or whatever, however many they did, a round of 16 matchup between James Madison and Louisiana. I would rather watch that game with the stakes, knowing that the stakes are, hey, all these guys are going to play because they want to win this tournament. Or, you know, like you said, they want to win a group of five national championship or whatever it may be versus like, yeah, I think Louisiana's best running back. We saw so much of this this year, which guys like half opting out like guys suiting up, but then being, I can't remember what school it was. There was a guy that suited up and was like, well, I'm only going to play like 10. I'm only going to have 10 carries. Mm. And then he was like transferring to another school, not even going to the draft. It was just like, what is going on? So at least something where we can match the landscape of the postseason in college football with the landscape of what's actually happening the other 335, 45 days out of the year, you know, besides the couple weeks that we have postseason going on or the month or two we have postseason games going on. So I love my conversations with you because you think deeply about these things. And that makes perfect sense to me. That second tier can capitalize on a sort of regional proximity with these bowl games where it's like the better seated team, the game, let's just say, let's just say Baylor as an example, Baylor is the better seated team in that second tier tournament. Well, you've got a couple of bowl game options that they can maybe play in. You've got the Texas Bowl. You've got the Alamo Bowl. You've got the Heart of Dallas Bowl. First Responders Uh, Bowl. The what? First Responders Bowl. 
Oh, is that the, that's the one in Frisco, isn't it? I, I'm just throwing out random bowl games that are also in North Texas. Yeah, there's there's a Frisco Bowl. I feel like somebody got cereal dumped on them in one of these bowl games. But you can you can say, hey, this this game is going to be played here because it's it's a bowl game, but it's also this quarterfinal matchup where Baylor is going to get the advantage to the home team because they have more fans in this general area who can actually attend this game. Because let's not act like by changing the structure of bowl season that we're taking that we are going to take some huge attendance hit in the process. Nobody goes to most of these fucking bowl games. Most of these bowl games are entirely too far away, especially with guys opting out now. There's less of a desire to watch these games in person. You'll still watch it on television. It's still your team. You want to see some of these younger guys play and see what they can do with this new opportunity at hand. But I think it get it lends itself to more buy-in also. If you have these teams at the second tier who are actually playing for a championship at the end of the year versus slogging their way through two to three weeks of bowl practices before they play in the fucking heart of Texas bowl up at Frisco. I think something that gets confused or twisted a little bit with college football fans is yes. A lot of us are traditionalist in the way that we like our sport, you know, and that's why a lot of people, I'm not saying you were, or I, I was or anything like that, but a lot of people are kind of adverse to change because they really enjoy the traditions. But at the same time, college football fans love tradition but they also love games that matter. <laughs> like those traditions don't really matter yeah. if the games that they're playing don't matter. And again, if you want to like love your point there of kind of regionalizing it more, calling it something like if we want to call it the cheese it bowl, like, look, look, we can still dump cheese. It's on the coach that wins cheese. It's or whoever frosted flakes, whatever, Tony, the tiger, like Duke's Mayo, sponsorships are great for everybody. I mean, it's, it creates more, more money, more revenue for the game. Obviously, you know, that in turn can mean more, more interest and, you know, a better atmosphere and those kind of things. But yeah, I think that gets twisted a little bit with college football fans is yeah. A lot of us are traditionalists because that's how that sport's always been. It's, it's, you know, unlike MLS or even NHL to an extent, it's steeped in so much history. Yeah. But also most of us are okay with it changing as long as it's changing for the better and meaning that we're getting a better product. The players on the field that are putting so much in, the coaches that are putting so much in, the administrative staff and all that, the fans that are spending money, everybody just wants more games that freaking matter. Like it's not that complicated what people want at the end of the day, but the NCAA is basically just gaslit everybody for their their entire existence into thinking that, Oh no, like everybody thinks that college athletes can't make money off their name, image, and likeness. You know, they think that we're still living in that era where announcers talk like that. It's like, no, no, the, the average person doesn't give a shit if Quinn Ewers is in a whatever commercial I saw him on the other day for some lawyer, you know, hmm. or that was on during the season. Like, we don't care. Good for him. Get your money. Like, no. Uh. I think if all of this is the catalyst for change that finally makes sense for everybody across the board, then I think we're all on board. Yeah. And by the way, some of those stupid end of game gimmicks mean a little bit more too. dumping cheese. It's on a coach or everybody eating the, the edible pop tart. The winner's going <laughs> to eat the edible pop tart at the end of the game. And perhaps those sponsorship deals 
can actually put a little bit more money in the winner's pockets too. Like if you participate, you get a certain bonus that is paid for by that sponsorship and the winners get an even larger cut. How about thinking about things like that since we are in this area era of NIL so we can be a little bit more creative with these things. Hey, speaking of EA sports, did you see this EA sports, the college football games coming back this summer? I will be amongst the many who are going to pay 70 bucks for that game. Starting my Texas dynasty June or July, whenever it comes out, but EA, uh, it was announced what they're giving pretty much everybody in college football to opt in, to have their name, image, and likeness as part of the game. Did you hear what that was? Uh, 600 bucks and then a copy of the game. 600 bucks and a copy of the game. Now, I didn't realize this when I saw it initially and formed my, uh, my first opinion, but there are some people up in arms that this isn't enough. So what do you think about 600 bucks plus a copy of the game? So what's enough? Like, I think that's a, like, okay, if, if it has to go up later, that's fine. But this is an unprecedented situation, clearly. Yeah. For the reasons, for the same reasons that we haven't had a game in what basically 10 or 11 years so so $600 all you have to do is is opt in you basically just have to sign the paper sign the document they give you a $600 payment and then you get a copy of the game like I don't really get it what else what else do you want and what else is being done with your name and your image and your likeness in the game that requires more money like I just don't like if they okay, if it should be double, if it should be twelve hundred, great. I don't care. Make it twelve hundred. Who cares? But I don't understand, like why that why that wouldn't be enough for players when you're basically not doing anything. And then how do we decide that? Like so, like decidedly, more people are going to play with Texas and Quinn Ewers than are going to play with Texas State and whoever's playing quarterback for them next year. Like there'll be some people that do like, I might be the sick mofo that, that does play with a random ass team like that. Hey, we all start but, that dynasty with that random. Right. Team that's never and that's happened. what I, yes. I did. I do want to, I have, I have questions for you after that. Cause I love talking about how people like people's habits and playing the game. But what did you think on, on the $600 payment? Cause again, I don't have a big issue. If it needs to be more, it needs to be more great, but they're not really like, the players are not really doing anything for this. They're just agreeing. And guess what? If you don't want $600 and you don't want your name in the game, then just say no. Like it's not that complicated. Or try and negotiate something better. And by the way, there will be endorsement deals being signed by specific athletes too. I think they announced the first wave. Quinn Ewers is one of those guys. Carson Beck, Travis Hunter is another one of those dudes. Is this like if you're on the cover or something? Because that I understand. Cover guys and ambassadors, I think they're called game ambassadors, and there will be other game ambassadors too. But for the average guy who plays, who's a backup defensive tackle at University of Buffalo, that's a sweet deal for you. But the advocacy group, the College Football Players Association, they tweeted something out after the announcement that criticized the deal by saying the athletes of the second most popular sport in America are being treated like children. That's what they said. Here's the problem with, or there are a couple of problems with understanding the proper value for something like this. One, video game companies are notorious for not releasing 
how many copies of a game they've sold, especially on the sports side of things. Why is that? Uh, it's a great question. He who controls the statistics controls the narrative is one theory behind that. But I guess, I guess problem, not, not giving us an opportunity to tell them that the game was more or less popular than they thought. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah, you can't say, well, wait a second. We're only getting this much on this game and you sold this many copies at 70 bucks a pop or, oh, wow, you only sold this many copies of this game at 70 bucks a pop and how much did you put into the production and paying people to participate, whether it's a sports game or something else, yeah. we're using vo- voiceover actors. But the other part of the equation here that is a big issue is that there are significantly more college football players than there are players for the NFL, let's say, for, for Madden football. Like, it is significant. It's like 10x the number yeah. of NFL players that you have playing college football. I think I read the effort. estimate was 11,000 guys are going to have an op- have an opportunity to opt in for this. Exactly. It's close to 11,000 guys. I th- feel like the number that I saw was just below that. But yeah, right around 11,000 guys. So 600 for everybody is not a bad deal when you consider that. That and a free video game too, by the way. And other guys will have opportunities to make more money as ambassadors for the game. And yeah. EA is going to have to be, uh, they're just going to have to make smart decisions about who should be their ambassadors. The guys that they think are going to be the best players in college football this year. And I I think that is the ambassadors versus what everybody gets. Guys, gals, whatever the industry is, getting more than somebody else because you have more value in this case, to the game, to the brand. Yeah, you've earned that if you're a Quinn Ewers. You've earned that with your play on the field and your popularity off of it. Like So yeah, if you want to become an ambassador and make more money off of that because they've deemed that, for whatever reason, makes sense in Quinn's case, that you would help them sell more copies of the game or get this word out to more people, yes, that's that's what happens in every in every business. There are people that make more money and people that make less money. Again, you know, you could argue in every place who deserves to make what money. And some people are overpaid or underpaid, obviously. But in this case, this is kind of just like basic capitalism. Like, like you're going to you're going to get paid what they think you're worth right now. And of course, the game's coming back for the first time in 10 or 11 years. So there's going to be some some growing pains. Like you said, EA is probably going to go at the end of the year. They're going to look at it and go why the hell did we make X player, Y player an ambassador? Like we need to be more careful or more selective with that. Or maybe they'll say, Hey, that was wildly popular. We sold way more games in Iowa city, Iowa, than we thought we were going to sell because we had so-and-so at Iowa or at Iowa state, you know, like, like pimping the game for us. (laughs) Hey, his his last year at Clemson, Dr. Pepper paid good money to have DJ Uwe Lungalale serve as their actual college football player ambassador other than the former Heisman Trophy winners who obviously have a different deal. And that backfired on them in a major way to where he left Clemson after that year and transferred to Oregon State. Now he's about to be the starting quarterback at Michigan State, if I'm remembering correctly. So there is a little bit of a risk in bringing somebody aboard as an ambassador, but that's a part of that capitalistic process, you know? Right. Yeah, I have no... I have no issues with, with what I read on that. And again, if they want to decide later that more, more or less guys, you know, guys need to be paid more or less then then great. We'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. 
But I guess the uh, alternative to that, the devil's advocate to that is the guys, you know, the people fighting for more right now are probably saying, like, you can't reopen the box once they say that this is what you get paid. It is probably hard from their standpoint to all of a sudden say after the next year, like, we deserve so much more. But you never know. I don't know. I don't know. Life is a constant negotiation. And that's a lesson that has really sunk in with me as the father of two very smart children, a <laughs> nine and seven year old who are always negotiating on their own behalf or on the behalf of their sibling as well. But life is a negotiation. I would like to see some earnest reporting by EA in terms of how many games that they're actually selling to help give us a better idea. Because until we know that number, we just can't know for sure. And considering that they're going to be paying almost 11,000 dudes, 600 bucks, plus a free copy of the game. That seems pretty generous right now, but we don't know for sure until we see what those actual figures are for the return of the college football video game, which is likely going to go well and beyond whatever the final year's worth of sales were for the game before it went away. Thanks to that Ed O'Bannon lawsuit. I would be, I'd be lying if I said I truly knew the, the scope of, you know, popularity and reach of some non-sports video games, some of the more popular ones. But I feel pretty confident in agreeing with you on that point of this game is, I feel like it's, it's got, it's got to break some records definitely within sports video games because of the place that it held in the hearts of so many college football fans because of how long it's been gone and off the shelves. And now because it's coming back, I mean, just this morning, even the last couple of days, I've texted one of my buddies, one of my best friends. I mean, we text a decent amount about other stuff. We've texted more in the last couple of days, just randomly talking about NCAA than, than we have previously, where maybe if it was like once a week or once every couple of weeks, we'd text each other, you know, a stupid tweet or send each other something on Instagram, like multiple days in a row on end, like funny tweet that we saw somebody talking about, um, you know, what they're going to do when they go me when NCAA comes out or whatever, sending each other stuff like that. He actually still plays the game NCAA 14, which I think is incredible. I sense have lost my console or whatever PS2, whatever I had it on where I could actually play. So I haven't played it in years, but, but yeah, like people are talking about this nonstop. The anticipation for this is, is off the charts. It's, it's pop culture. It's sports pop culture is what it's become. Which I don't know if you had something else you wanted to you wanted to add add to that, but I do I do have a couple of uh, questions for you and your your uh, EA Sports college football habits. Yeah, re- real quick because this is probably going to play into some of the questions you have too. The most impressive slash sickest person when it comes to playing the old college football video games is Kevin Dunn, who still plays the. I think it's the 2006 version of the game. It's it would would have been BY's last year, the year that Texas won the national championship. He plays on a PS2. What a sicko! That's he amazing. Has, he plays with ten different teams at once. He has re, he has constructed every roster, what? giving guys their proper names. They already have their proper numbers, of course, which is part of that lawsuit. But their proper names, enhancing or decreasing their abilities based on what they were in actuality in his opinion versus how EA ranked them. And he will literally go through every week simulating games until he gets the right matchups to get the outcomes that he needs at the end of the season. 
And then he gets into the off season and it gets even sicker because I mean, he's got notebooks of notes with, um, on like various elements of recruits that he's trying to go after. And so like for him to complete a season, I feel like is a decade long process. It is, like I said, it's impressive and scary at the same time. And I, I have some fun with him whenever the topic of college football comes up on the Tuesday, Thursday show. So what were the questions that you had for me? Wait, wait, real quick question about that. Yeah, so yeah. he's, so he's fired up about this, right? Or is he so locked into this that he's just like, I don't need this game. So he he uh, he started a new job several months ago that is taking up a lot of his time, and he hasn't been playing a ton of the college football game recently. He's just gotten back into it. But because you have to get the PS4, I think, in order to play this game, or an Xbox, and we have the Xbox here in our household, he's like, I don't know if I want to buy an entirely new game system. I may just continue playing my 2006 version of the game and just be happy with that. I think you need the new... I think you need a PS5 or or a new Xbox. Wait, is there a new Xbox? Yeah, like that's the new one that I got to upgrade because I wanted to be ready for this game yeah. and then also wanted to just play with better graphics and finally was just done with my PS4. Yeah. Wow, the so, PS4 was that far behind? Um, It wasn't crazy far behind, but I definitely haven't missed it now that I invested in the, in the Xbox, but the Xbox that I got is the all digital one. So it was, I got it on, on sale right after new year's, like on Amazon, it was like a $325 uh, console that I think I got for like two seventy five, and it's all digital, but that's all I was doing with the games anyway before was cause even when I had the PS4, I would go get whatever game when I would buy the actual hard copy and you would put it in and then it still had to download. Like that's what was driving me crazy. So I was like, well, why am I going to GameStop or Walmart target and buying this when I could just download it directly on there? So then that's why I said, I finally said, all right, I'll just go get this other one. The only thing is the storage. If you're a total video game nerd, you already know this stuff, but, but yeah, the storage is much less on that one. But right now I only play two games. I play Madden or I play the EA sports PGA tour game. Oh, I bet the golf is, game. I bet the golf game is sweet on modern, uh, modern game, modern it's, uh, consoles. It's awesome. I can't help but feel like the biggest freaking loser every time I play it, though. Like I'm sitting in my living room, like okay, I gotta get up and down for par. Like, can I get this up and down for par? Like, like nothing makes you more mad than missing the green with a wedge in real life. Now do it in a freaking video game <laughs> and you'll want to break everything close to you in your home. I promise. But no, it's, it, it's super fun. Um, but yeah, that's why I got it was because I wanted to be ready for when NCAA came out. I also wanted new graphics and that I also really wanted to play the golf game because I could only play it on a next gen console. So I assume they're going to, I mean, maybe they'll make a couple, they'll make PS4 or Xbox one copies, but I would imagine it's, it's, probably going to be next gen only i may have to get the golf gen. game i used to love golf games on like sega genesis and nintendo 64 much like with soccer games even though i don't like watching soccer in real life i like watching golf a little bit more than soccer uh, i never cared much to play those things or haven't been good enough to enjoy playing them but i love playing them on video games so is it tiger woods golf is it just pga tour what's the game called so there's two games there's there's a 2K, 2K makes one. 
Okay. And then EA makes one they call The Road to the Masters. I like that one because I, I hear the gameplay is pretty good in both, but I like that one because you can do career mode. And because it's more like linked with the PGA Tour, they have the license for all the majors mm. and for a bunch of the other tournaments and stuff like that. So you can actually play Augusta National. You can play way more of the big tournaments and big courses. Wow. And they have all the courses too, don't they? So you can play Pebble Beach. You can go over and play the Open. Yeah, they have some – yeah, there's – I can't remember. There's some, like, smaller tournaments that maybe they don't have, like, a license for. But, but yeah, cool. all the big ones where if you're just, like, a casual golf fan, TPC Scottsdale, Pebble Beach, um, and then it's all the majors, all the courses for the majors, the ones that switch are the ones from last year. So, like, it's L.A. Country Club. I can't remember where they played the Open, obviously somewhere uh, in Europe. And then uh, PGA – God, where was it PGA? You'd think I would know that being the sicko that I am. I would remember that off the top of my head. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, they have they have all those courses. Like as a big golf fan, there's definitely no course I've been like, man, I wish I could play this. And they even have some random ass ones in like uh they have the Banff a golf course in Banff, Canada, one in France that they played the women's one of the women's majors at last year. Um they've Do got they have banded Austin, dunes. They have Austin Country Club for Dell mm-hmm. match play. No, no, they don't have Dell match play on there. Unfortunately, that would be pretty cool, especially for Austin people. So yeah, yeah there's a few like that where they don't have the license for the tournament, or maybe they just didn't put it on there because they knew it was going to go away. Okay. So you're going to ask me some questions about my college football game playing uh, abilities or proclivities before that. I need to let you know the only game I play right now is FIFA. That's okay. it. I just play the soccer game right now, but I will play the college football game. We have Madden. And this is my concern with the college football game. Madden has gotten so complicated that it's just hard for me to play that game because I, I the level the, the gameplay is complicated, or game the play. or all the other stuff that you have to do to have a dynasty. Uh, the gameplay, there's just there's too many buttons. God, I hate yeah. to be such an old guy with that complaint, but it's true. I'm I'm used to the old school Nintendo or Sega Genesis or yes, even the uh, the the PlayStation controller. The Xbox controller just has too many damn buttons for football. I just need it to, <laughs> to be much more simplified. But anyhow, continue. Fire away. So basically a, a two-part question. Yes. Are you a are you a one dynasty kind of guy? And do you start the dynasty from the ground up? Like, do you go to do you take the do you take the gig at Troy or Georgia State, Coastal Carolina, Texas State, and then work your way up? Uh, it, it varies. The first time I probably will start with the Texas Dynasty, and Texas is going to be pretty good, so that, that'll be a cheat. But after playing a couple of years, I will want st- to start something from the ground up, and I always like, or at least back in the day, I always liked playing at schools that you could put decals on the helmet as guys did things throughout the year so that you could see the uh, the stickers all over the helmets once you get later in the year. The teams that I would play with from time to time, Georgia, get this this would have been back in 2002, 2003, I believe, whatever the cover where Joey Harrington was on the the, uh, the case. Yeah. Oh, man. So, uh, Georgia, you would get the bones on the back of the helmet. Oklahoma State had that deal. I don't think I ever played with Ohio State. I would play with some other shitty Big 12 schools. Like I th- feel like we had a dynasty with Kansas. Played with Wyoming one year. Played with Buffalo, I think, for a little bit. 
Yeah, so mix and match a little bit. I'll usually run a dynasty with the school for three to four years, whatever it takes to get to national championship level, win that championship, and then move to the next school. That's basically what I do, but I have a pretty I have a pretty clear cut two dynasty system. So I have the one where kind of like you said, immediately I'll start like probably USC. Yeah. Like I'll I'll pick one of the blue bloods, but typically USC or Texas. Texas will be more fun, I think, than USC this year. Just because yeah. they're just because their roster. Um, yeah. at least early on, you would think they're gonna definitely be a better team. But I'll I'll do that right away. I'll do the one where I'm just like depends on what kind of mood I'm in. If I'm not in the mood to like you know, play conference USA football games, like whenever I'm playing, I'll do the Texas dynasty, but then I'll have the second grinded out dynasty depending on like, that's more like if I have more time or just whatever I'm feeling that day. So my go-to in NCAA 14 was UTEP. I would start the dynasty at UTEP. So I'm like, who's ever won anything there. And I think I won like an orange bowl at UTEP or something. And, um, Maybe like, you know, mess with a couple of the ratings on a few of my players, but, you know, found a quarterback, convinced him to stay, created recruits. That was always fun back in the day, too. I would just create like seven awesome quarterbacks from El Paso and then hope that like two of them would come to my school. (laughs) But that's why I love this game so much is the amount of just like like what you told me about Kevin Dunn, like makes me look like nothing. But yeah. the the depths of just I'll even I'll even go as far as basically calling it degeneracy with people. The depths of degen that people will go to have fun playing this game is like pretty ridiculous. And the game facilitates that being college football and how many different teams there are. I guess FIFA would be the only thing that would come close where you could go to a random ass country and like pick like the worst team and like portugal's top league or something like that you know i used to do well i do a version of that now you have to be careful because if you're at the higher levels on fifa you'll get fucking boat raced if you have a team that's too bad (laughs) like all your guys suck they can't pass well they don't outrun anybody and so uh there's there's a balance to be struck but on the old school nintendo i think it was nintendo 64 uh fifa game i would always use guitar because guitar was like the far and away the worst team of all the countries offered up in that game <laughs> try and find ways to win and it that was that was when the gameplay was simple enough that there were hacks that you could do to get through and to to be able to win that game I, by the way the underrated element of the college football game is recruiting season that is so much fun getting to recruit guys and it happens it happens during the season too doesn't it I'm trying to remember now yeah like you'll have guys like from what I remember in 14, like, I don't know how detailed this new game will be. Um, but you would have guys like you'd say, Oh, so-and-so's on campus for a visit. And you could get guys to commit in the middle of the year. And there'd be little tells that they would put in like the profile when you went into the recruiting tab and that kind of stuff. But what other, the other question was, are there any features that you or like anybody, you know, that loves this game is dying to see when the game comes out? Cause I think there's some obvious ones we've seen, We've seen a lot of the talent. We know like Reese Davis and Fowler and Herb Street. There's going to be a game day, college game day aspect to it. That's kind of been hinted at and I think even released within the last couple of days. But, and I'm sure there'll be a portal element to it, maybe an NIL element. I don't know. But is there one or two features or are there one or two features that you're like, oh, this would be awesome if they throw in, but that maybe are a little under the radar. 
Yeah, Portal is going to be interesting. They will definitely, they'll have to include that. They have to get that right. That is a part of college football now. You guys got the recruiting thing pretty good. Get the Portal thing right, too. And it's going to be like a recruiting your own roster type of thing, probably. Yeah, gosh, I forget if, I feel like this is mostly a part of the Madden game, but I'm guessing they probably put it in the college game before it was all said and done. I hope they do some level of like spring ball and fall ball that allows you to like go run through drills to like get plus points for your guys at various positions with various traits, let's say. Like I used to love to do the uh, the pocket presence drill on a Madden game. <laughs> and like drill drills like that, like the Oklahoma drill too. Like you can do those on the current Madden game. I hope they do some like some sort of spring football type of element on this upcoming game. Those are a fine line for me because if they're fun and they're quick, which those were yeah. for the most part then I'm, I'm game for those. And as long as they're at like important positions, like I don't want to do offensive line drills. Right. When I'm like playing for fun, but yeah, if you could do like, like a seven on seven spring type thing and like, you know, your quarterback and receivers could get chemistry points for that or up, you know, upgraded points. Yeah. That would be, that would be pretty cool. Um, I'll say the one, I don't know how they would do this because it's not exactly uniform across like all of college football but the collectives like could, could there be a, could there be a tie in with like, Hey, you started a school, you have a collective or you have the ear of the people that are donating to the collective, the donors and those kind of things. And you almost have to like in Madden with a salary cap, you almost have to like assign NIL portions to certain guys. And it almost becomes like a salary cap, but with the collective. Oh, so, wow. So now That's it's like when Ewers is getting 12% of our collective, Xavier Worthy is getting 4%, but like Jonte Cook is getting 1%, but now Jonte, Xavier's gone and Jonte Cook like tears it up through four games. Now, like, will Jonte or somebody come into your office and be like, yo, coach, like, I need more money from the collective or I'm out after this season? Like, that could be too much for some people. But for me, that would be that would be fun where you're almost managing a salary cap, but in the form of NIL. So I've never played Madden or I haven't played Madden Dynasty mode in more recent times, including this year's game. Is managing the salary cap a part of Dynasty mode in Madden? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, like, so, so they know how to do that now then. Yes, there should be a version of that in this college football game. That's a great call. So the way it goes with this with within Madden, just quickly is like like you take like you take over the Raiders and the salary cap is what it is. The contracts like it's it's pretty detailed. You it shows you when you go in to negotiate with guys, it'll tell you at the beginning of the season, like you can negotiate mid season. They definitely dumb it down a little bit, like thankfully. Mm-hmm. But it'll say four, it's week two, four guys are ready to renegotiate their contracts. And then you basically have to look at your roster and go, like, I don't want to pay this this 31 year old with this level of production at defensive end wants this. I don't really want to pay him that. But, but like I have nobody else behind him. So maybe I need to give him a one-year deal. Well, he doesn't want a one-year deal. Then you like kind of super basic negotiating over a couple weeks. Or you can just say like, I don't want to sign this guy. Or you just like offer it up and then they accept it immediately. You know, hmm. like they do it pretty user-friendly. And I think you can even put on, and I'm sure there'll be an option for this too. Like you said, they know how to do it. They should be able to put in features like that. And they also can put in like auto, like auto sim this or whatever it may be. Like, I don't want to deal with this. 
I just want to play whatever happens in my roster happens in my roster. I just want to play the games. You know, I'm sure you can do that because there's like auto player progression. There's all kinds of things in Madden that like roster moves. Like I don't make the cuts to like the last guys on my roster. I just tell them make my roster 52 guys and let's move on. Okay. Um, Speaking of that, I got an email earlier this week. I think it's an email list that pretty much every sports media person is on in this entire country from Jimmy Shapiro and it's NFL next team lines for free agents and trade candidates. You want to go through some of these and guess which team a player might be on if he doesn't re-sign with his current team. So are you just going to throw out a player to me basically? And I'm I'm supposed to guess like what the odds are on his next team. Uh, Maybe not. Yeah. guess, guess who the team is. I'm not going to ask you to guess the odds because that's a, that would, that would be way too uh, nuanced, but uh, we'll start because there's a big list of, uh, of free agents coming up this offseason and some uh, fascinating moves to be made, too. So Austin Eckler is the first name on this list. If he decides not to re-sign with the L.A. Chargers, who does he end up with next? Oh, man, would like Denver be on there maybe? He's a Colorado guy. Mm, oh, yeah. I like the thinking there. Denver is tied for third so good call the top three teams including the other tied for third team baltimore ravens geez that wouldn't be fair philadelphia eagles chicago bears and denver broncos yeah or the i've seen the i haven't seen this list that you have but i've seen it with uh josh jacobs is who i saw with obviously given the raiders interest for me i don't know if you were going to go to hit were you gonna go to him next yeah let's go to him next okay well the eagles were on we're on his list too. I thought DeAndre Swift played really well last year. I don't know if there's I, there's some contract details I don't know about or something going on that I'm I'm not aware of, but I just thought it was interesting that the people that make these odds, Vegas, whoever, they clearly think the Eagles are going to be in the market for a big name running back. So he, he the Eagles are low on the Josh Jacobs list. Okay. I don't know who I would value more at this point. I feel like Jacobs is younger, so that probably gives him some inherent value, but Josh Jacobs' next teams, if not the Raiders, there are three, five, excuse me, five teams in single digit odds. The Chargers, funny enough, the Ravens again, I guess they're going to be in the market for a running back. The Texans, the Cowboys, and the Giants. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, <laughs> Jacobs would be great for the Cowboys because they need, I mean, I don't know if you would be able to keep Tony Pollard around as well. But the Cowboys, I think it was pretty obvious last year. They need a an every down back. Yeah. That offense really functions best with an every down back. Or if Tony Pollard's gonna be a big piece of your offense, which is fine, you do need at least need a really good back who can run between the tackles. And Jacobs is a back who can do everything. Didn't have his best year this past year, but you know, before that, won the NFL rushing title. Yes, so yeah, the Cowboys are an interesting option with the Texans. I'm, I don't know. I just, I just, I'm not sure that would be the first place that I would go after what happened this season to improve that roster. Like, I just think you could, there's, if you're going to pay Josh Jacobs and maybe not a ton of money, but I mean, he's going to be, if he goes to one of these teams, he's going to be one of the higher paid running backs in the league. Most and likely. Hey, speaking I, of Tony Pollard, he is also on this list. Okay. If not with the Cowboys, there are six teams. Any guesses? The Texans? 
No, not quite. Uh, Eagles again. Yeah, what? Yeah. Like, are yeah. is is Swift anywhere with Swift in this email? Uh, Swift is not in this email. I don't understand what's going on here. And, and the Eagles, they don't go crazy with spending on running backs either, by the way. Game, no, is they, Gainwell going to be a free agent after this year? Is that maybe part of the reason why? This I is- guess Swift Swift must be a – you said it's Gainwell. But I, don't th- but I don't even think with Gainwell, with his production the past few years and kind of being more of just a – I don't want to call him like a gadget guy, but, you know, a definitely a role player, not a featured back. I don't think he would garner a ton of money, but I guess Swift Swift's rookie deal that he had with the Lions must be ending because otherwise, like, I would think that they would just keep Swift around. But that, this must be because his contract's ending and they're going to let him walk. But but yeah, they don't seem that likely to pay for a big name back. I mean, they let Miles Sanders go so that they could, you know, trade what a fourth or a fifth round pick. They trade a late round pick for Swift. But his rookie well, deal, his rookie deal must be ending. That's that's what it is. I'm looking at Sport Track right now, and he is a free agent. He is a, a, a free agent this year, so that's why okay. the Eagles may be in on some of these guys. Gotcha. So Tony Pollard's next team: the Eagles, the Bears, the Titans, who are likely going to be moving on from Derrick Henry, the Ravens, and the Broncos. What's that? I was going to guess the Titans. How do about Derek, do we have Derrick Henry odds? Yes, we do. The Cowboys have got to be number one on that. No, they are number two. Oh, number one is the Philadelphia Eagles, by the way. The number one is who? The Chargers? (laughs) Nope. The Baltimore Ravens again. See, I, because I think, I think the Chargers would be in the market because of, you know, Harbaugh family football. It all starts with the run game. Even their offensive coordinator, I, I saw a headline. He was asked about helping Herbert or what do they need to do with Herbert? And his answer was run the ball, yeah. <laughs> which is probably a really good answer. It's clearly worked for Harbaugh, wherever he's been, both the Harbaugh's. Wasn't the RB, obvious answer with that Austin Eckler, though? <sighs> like, I I don't know. Maybe there's a decline there where maybe they're just not willing to pay him whatever the the market value is going to be for a guy that is, I guess, probably still relatively young and, you know, and produced well while he was there. But I think, I mean, Eckler's great, but I think Harbaugh wants a big physical runner. That's why I was like, I think Josh Jacobs, not that he's big, but he's a very physical runner. He is a true, he's just a true, like, like all around back. And I think, uh, Saquon Barkley's been mixed in there too. I know he's more of a speed and lateral quickness, agility guy, um, but he's tough too, man. I mean, I know he's had the injury history, but when he's healthy, he'll, he'll lower his shoulder on a guy. He'll, he'll run between the tackles. There was a, I don't want to call it a significant decline. It was a decline though, this last year. Statistically, he wasn't as good. Eckler, right? Yeah, played in yeah. 14 of 17 games after playing a full season in the two previous years. This is also last year was his age 28 year too. So he is rounding the corner to 30 as yeah, we I think, talk. I think that just is going to depend on how willing his people are to negotiate. And it, I, I get it. If I'm the chargers, I don't want to hand that guy a blank check. No, no but if he wants to take, if he wants to take a two year deal at, you know, a modest hit to the cap, then we can talk. One of the best running backs in the NFL when he can stay healthy, Saquon Barkley. 
Chargers. If he's not on the New York Giants, and the Giants may very well franchise him again. But if he's not on the Giants, there are three teams in single-digit odds. Chargers. They're number three. Cowboys. Uh, Cowboys are not on this list, which is a little bit surprising. How about the top team being the Texans? Wow. Followed by the Bears, then the Chargers, Patriots, and Ravens. Patriots. Oof. I don't think he's going to sign with the Patriots. But I don't know. Maybe he's just all – if he's all about that coin and they're going to give it to him, then who knows? <laughs> I love Gerard Mayo, and he he came out like in his press con- his opening press conference. Or maybe it was a, like a ra- – I think it was a radio hit, like the week he took the job. He said, we're ready to burn some cash. Like, if that's not the anti-Belichick, then I don't know what is. Which is funny coming from a guy that they basically called, like, mini Belichick or Belichick Jr. Oh, has he gotten that moniker? I had not heard that. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, he spent his entire – literally spent his entire playing career and coaching career there. I believe his entire playing career, too. Um, Yeah, so a lot of people compared – you know, maybe not necessarily the relationships with the players, but kind of some of the demeanor and the work ethic to you know, what they saw with Belichick. All right, let's move on to some wide receivers now. Again, this these are odds for upcoming free agents, assuming they don't re-sign with their current team. Going to go to the wide receiver category now and really hurt some feelings here. Mike Evans. Uh, there are six teams in single-digit odds to sign Mike Evans if he doesn't return to Tampa. Any guesses on number one? This is gonna hurt your feelings. Hurt my feelings. The Raiders? No. Oh, I was like, like that would that would cost oh. choice. Oh gosh. Um I don't know. Kansas City. Oh yeah, that's what I was like trying to figure out why it would hurt my feelings, but yeah. Yeah, that would definitely hurt my feelings. Kansas City followed by the Jets. Okay. The Bears, the Panthers, the Bills, and the Texans. The Bears would make sense. Well, I was going to say for him, he might be ring chasing. Oh, he already got that, so he might just be cash chasing at this point. Oh, yeah, that's right. He did get the ring. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe he would go to the Jets or somewhere like that. The only other wide receiver I care about because – Calvin Ridley's on this list too. We're going to go to Michael Pittman, who I think is going to be the best free agent wide receiver in this this class, assuming he doesn't return to Indy. I was going to say, they should make a real effort to oh. bring him back. <laughs> yes, they should. But there are five teams in single-digit odds. The Titans, the Cardinals, the Chiefs. Oh, my God. Michael Pittman on the Chiefs would be a problem for everybody else. The Jets again and Tampa. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to see him in Kansas City. No. I mean, that's what's crazy about how quickly Kansas City might reload. I don't know if they'll go get a guy, a reloaded receiver, after all the drop issues and those kind of things. But I'm not going to put it past Brett Veach to pull just an ultimate power move and go get a guy like Pittman or Evans. Uh, I don't know if it'll be a team-friendly deal or however they'll make it happen. And then also use one of their early picks on a receiver that – Inevitably, because he's super talented and playing with Patrick Mahomes becomes an absolute star again. Yeah. I think that's an underrated part of the – I know we're talking about free agency, but that's an underrated part of the the draft process for really good teams that consistently make good decisions in the draft and develop guys is you can take more chances on 
guys later in the draft and not necessarily not necessarily worry about it not working out. And then if you do hit a few, like I don't know exactly where the Chiefs got like McDuffie. Like where'd they get McDuffie and Sneed in the draft? I mean, I've, I'll, I'll look at it, but like that's 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 when you start getting to like a real dynasty level is you're finding guys like that on the defensive side of the ball and, you know, the later rounds. Hold on one sec, Jeff. Yes. I'm, I'm broadcasting right now. What's going on? Oh. Okay. This is not a good time to interrupt me during the show to ask if you can go play with somebody. I'd like you to pass a note through the doors, please. And I'll either say yes or no. Thank you. You can go play with them. Yes. Oh, boy. Sorry about that. They know the rules, and they will be punished accordingly. No dinner for them tonight, Jeff. Uh, who are you asking about on the okay. uh, the Chiefs roster? Legereus Sneed. Sneed was the steal. McDuffie was a first-round pick. I remember one of those guys was a total steal. But, yeah, like Sneed was a 2024th-round pick. Damn. God. Yeah, I, don't know, I don't know if they'll keep him around much longer because, I mean, 2020, I'm sure the – rookie contracts coming up and he's going to understandably want to be paid. Yeah. All right. There's one quarterback. There's, there's a couple of quarterbacks amongst free agents, but there's only one quarterback that I think really matters. That's Kirk cousins. If he doesn't resign with the Vikings, there are four teams that are going to be jockeying for his services. Atlanta. Yep. That's one, two to one odds. Yeah. That's, they're going to go get somebody. I mean, I'm trying to think of a what the Titans. No, Broncos, Patriots, and Saints are the other uh, three teams. But the Saints just restructured David, um, not David Carr, Derek Carr's contract, so that's unlikely. Congrats, guys! Yeah, good job. Congrats on ah, oh, God, you're gonna love, you're gonna love him, you're gonna love him. Congrats on mediocrity. All right, moving on to trade possibilities for guys if they don't stay with their current teams. Let's go to Justin Fields since he's the most obvious name out there right now. One of the biggest NFL offseason storylines, Justin Fields. Do the Bears trade him? Do they keep him for a year and draft Caleb Williams, let Caleb Williams sit? Probably not. But if Justin Fields does not end up on the Chicago Bears next year, Vegas thinks he's going to go to one of two teams. And I think either is pretty easy to guess. Falcons and Steelers. That's it? Yeah. Falcons are four to five, by the way. Steelers are seven to four. So, yeah, good odds for both of those teams. How about Russell Wilson? Oh, man, I can't believe there are four teams, four teams with single-digit odds for Russell I'm going to tell you what, the Raiders. Yeah, they're the second-best second odds. I'm not as mad about it. I wouldn't be as mad about it if it happened as, as you think I would be. Oh, you've I, already accepted this. Well, look, your options yeah. at quarterback right now are awful. So, yeah, right. you should be happy about that. That's yeah. I was talking to a buddy who's a Raiders fan the other day, and I threw out Fields and Wilson. You could go in two completely different directions. But I saw enough from Aiden O'Connell to know that he can be a he can be a nice player and a good quarterback in this league. Like, I'm not comparing styles, but he could be a Colt McCoy, a Case Keenum, you know, a journeyman, very competent, good enough to win you a few games if the circumstances are right, backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. But I think, especially given where he was picked, those guys, if they're going to be studs and they're late-round picks, they usually flash pretty quick. Like, you usually see something pretty early on. And, and again, I, I'm not biased. That's a pretty good team around him. 
like, I mean, he's got a Hall of Fame receiver and had Josh Jacobs behind him. The offensive line's okay. Like, the defense was solid. So, pretty good team around him. Obviously, a little bit of chaos with the McDaniels thing. But, yeah, I would be open to Wilson or to Fields or, who knows, maybe we're, I think, Raiders are picking 16 or, no, 13 maybe or something like that. Okay. I think they're picking fairly early. So if the right quarterback falls, then then doing that. I think those are three viable options right there. Because kind of what you were just about to say, like what what are the other options? <laughs> and they're one of the few teams that have a competent, ta- semi-talented roster that I don't think can win a Super Bowl now, but can at least compete. So, you know, I, I wouldn't mind Cousins either. I just don't know if that'll, that would work out cap-wise and – and if he would want to leave Minnesota to come to Vegas, if I don't know if that's get, a Kirk Cousins move. If you get Cousins, and he's probably going to require a multi-year deal, you get Cousins with the ability to cut him after year one and draft a quarterback at twelve or thirteen, wherever you guys are. Yeah, and like let's say they go Russ. I saw something today that said he could be released within the next few weeks. So whatever that entails with them having to take the dead cap hit, pay a portion of the salary, if you could get Russ on a basically a discount and he's now been twice humbled yeah and bring him to vegas like i think that's a pretty good move i mean i'm not saying we're i'm not saying we're beating the chiefs twice and winning the super bowl but i think that's a competitive move would you be okay with the raiders getting rid of Devontae adams because he is on the list of guys who may be traded well now i wouldn't love getting russell russell wilson as much if (laughs) He can't throw it to Devontae Adams. That's so true. So I'm like, well, and even Fields, I feel the same way about either guy. Now I'm like, yeah. well, do I want to bring Fields in if he can't throw it to Devontae Adams? And Josh Jacobs is supposedly going to be with the Texans? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I'm so upset that Josh McDaniel just blew it. Not that that team was going to win a Super Bowl this last year, but the fact that you guys had to deal with him as a head coach is a damn shame. If Devontae Adams ends up getting traded away from the Raiders, nobody should be surprised that he will likely end up with the Jets, according to Vegas. Great. Good for them. Good for him. Good for Aaron. And then there's Stephon Diggs, who I would not be surprised at all to see the Bills trade him this offseason. They want to go through another full offseason, another full year with that guy and his distractions. Vegas might agree with me because they have five teams jockeying in those single-digit odds for Stephon Diggs services next season and beyond starting with the dallas cowboys oh they're number one number one are the texans too no the texans are down the list a little bit actually it's okay the cowboys the packers the saints the chiefs and the chargers man that's interesting you get one good year of Stephon Diggs before he starts causing problems. And by the way, if season one doesn't go very good for him, it, problems could exist in year one too. Just be careful because he's nearing that point where we're going to see a skill decline. Now, him reuniting yeah. with his brother, I guess, would be a cool story for Cowboys fans and for the NFL. But I would, uh, I would be very cautious with what I'm willing to give up to get Stephon Diggs from the Bills if that ultimately happens. Agreed. I don't, I don't know if that's really worth going and getting um well like i'll I'll say for the cowboys you already have cd lamb i don't don't know if that's worth that and then i was going to say for the chiefs or somebody else that's already won the super bowl or a proven winner at this point i mean that's basically what buffalo is yeah i don't think it's i don't think it's worth it 
like with like you said, you you made the perfect point, the perfect caveat in there with the likelihood of a skill decline sooner rather than later. If this was 24 year old, like when Buffalo traded for him, I think was the perfect time to trade for him. You got him in his prime. You were like, hey, dealing with this crap is worth it. We haven't had a true we haven't had a stud receiver like that for Josh Allen yet. So get him that and then we'll go from there. But yeah, at this at this point, at this age for him, again, with the decline likely in the near future, I don't think it's worth the Chiefs bringing him in and then him. I, I don't know. Maybe he wouldn't start shit with Mahomes, but <laughs> just even bringing that possibility into play. I'm not I'm not sure I'm crazy about. It's the diva wide receiver matrix. It is at some point, the skill level does not outweigh all of the obnoxious distractions off the field. And he, he may be nearing that point more than people realize because his production wasn't absent, but it wasn't nearly what it should have been for a number one wide receiver in the second half of the year for the bills. The guy didn't have a hundred yard receiving game beyond the end of October last year. I was I was done. Maybe this is too harsh and too, you know, one track mind, whatever you want to call it. I was done after he didn't catch that pass against the Chiefs. A really difficult catch, but with the amount of complaining he's done, the amount of little tirades he's thrown on the sideline, a couple of those, one of those, two of those is okay. I like I do. I am also the guy that says I like guys that show they care, but there is a certain line to walk with that where it does just become a distraction. And then some of the cryptic crap in the off season and all that stuff. It's like some of the stuff that became headlines, which isn't always guys fault in some cases, but I think in this case was, was self-induced for him J- just becomes a situation where you're like this, you know, you need to make that play. You need to make that play. If you're going to raise, raise a little hell every now and then. Did your room just get darker? Um, a little bit of light here. I was the 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 color has just been a real struggle in here today. I don't know if it's this blue shirt. Like now, I just look orange. Now I really am. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you got a a, a a Trump tone to you right now. I guess. I guess that's. I don't know. Well, let's just go with that. All right, we're going, we're right. going with this the rest of the way. But I think it's the light blue shirt, and then and the burnt orange background and then whatever the light was at just not 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 getting along great because i i haven't messed with it in like an hour and a half and now you're in a, and now you're in a kung fu movie because your uh your words are not matching what your mouth is doing <laughs> well i'm using the computer camera here oh boy all right well uh okay anything non-sports related that you wanted to get to this week because otherwise i've got a uh a notebook dump to uh to foist upon you and the people at the end of today's show no or any sports no, related stuff too I, I have not asked you that so uh, anything that we haven't gotten to just yet that you want to talk about um let's see i mean texas baseball series this weekend another one kind of like last weekend where you know you hope they can win all three of these and then and then move on and you know, the, the meat of the schedule, the toughest test really begins next week when they go to Houston, play LSU, Texas State, and Vanderbilt. But I think if we were going to talk Texas baseball for a couple of minutes, the one thing I want to see is just better performances from the starting pitchers in the weekend rotation. And then, you know, 
hopefully you you sweep this series and don't have the one. San Diego is a good team. They they should have swept them. Hopefully you don't have another you know Saturday lapse like that. But Charlie Hurley, Hurley the Saturday starter, only going three and two thirds, struggling a little bit, uh, not great. And then uh, Friday before that, LeBaron Johnson gutted out gutted out five innings, but not his greatest stuff considering he's the ace of the staff. And then on and then on Sunday, Tanner Witt clearly just just not there you know yet to be fully back to what he was freshman year tanner so hopefully hopefully they can figure that out a little bit with the pitching got some good performances from the bullpen but yeah if we were just going to do a quick texas baseball i think those would be my main takeaways i'm sure you didn't watch much as you were enjoying your your family time at beautiful kalahari no this infuriates kevin and a lot of other longhorn baseball fans i, I don't watch any college baseball in the regular season I'll maybe tune in for for a game here and there, but no, I've got way too much else going on, and I also don't have LHN either. And so I'm I'm to the point now where if it's a game on LHN, I'm gonna have to pirate it on my computer, or just let other people watch and report on it and read about it to try and stay up to date on things. There's a lot of games, man. Like I'll say that I I enjoy covering Texas baseball. Like it's gonna lead it's gonna lead our show at ten a quick highlight of that game. Then we'll talk about basketball. We'll do a little, you know, high school basketball playoffs, UT basketball, all that kind of stuff. But there are a lot of games and like back-to-back weekend series against San Diego and Cal Poly. Like, I mean, the diehards will be there and that's great. Again, like I said, I'm, I'm not trying to get high and mighty. Like I'm still going to cover it, but I don't blame you at all. That's what I'm getting at. I appreciate that. I'm glad I get a pass from you. I treat treat, uh, Texas baseball like a lot of people treat the NBA, where you really start tuning in once we get to the very end of the regular season and into the postseason. Well, will you even like box score dive or anything like like hop in and be like, oh, because because that's that's what I'll do. I mean, I'm I'm working, so I'm watching most of the games. But if I wasn't, that's probably what I would do. I'd jump in and I'd be like, oh, like Jared Thomas is off to a great start. Peyton Powell, two home runs in four games. Like I'd, I'd do that kind of stuff and check the highlights, probably see how the pitchers did, the starting pitchers for sure, um, and maybe spend a couple minutes on it. That would be if I wasn't, you know, if we weren't covering it daily. That's a good question. Actually, the foundation of my love for sports has to do with baseball box score. So I will still – like I'll wonder to myself, oh, did Texas baseball win last night? And I'll go look at the score at TexasSports.com. I'll look at the box score to see who did well. So, yeah, I do still pay attention to box scores. By the way, that's not just a Texas baseball thing. That's a Rangers baseball thing, too. There's 162 <laughs> regular season games. I, I may have watched bits and pieces of like four or five last year. But once it got to the playoffs, I watched pretty much every playoff game. And once we got to the uh, divisional and um, league championship rounds and World Series, of course. I watched every game. I just I don't have that two and a half to three hours to spend most days and nights. I, I think this changes once you have kids in your life, for sure. I still do it a little bit, but not as much. Baseball, especially Major League Baseball, and there's a game basically every day of the week, it's great background noise. It's great yeah. just like throwing a baseball game on. I mean, that's what I would do a lot when I was single and I was home. I'd throw the Dodger game on and maybe on like one of the TVs and I play video games on the other TV and, you know, just overstimulate my brain or what, whatever. But, <laughs> but yeah, I would, I would do that. I don't get to do that as much now. I mean, I'll, if I watch a Dodger game, it's more like 
I got a window to just put it on and see what happens. But I do the same thing with golf. Like yeah. I'll put on, especially because I have time during the day, during the week. So Thursday and Friday, I'll put on the golf telecast on ESPN plus. And it's just really good background noise. And I've got, I always have a couple bucks on a few guys and a few bets and maybe some DraftKings lineups. And I'll sort of keep track of it like that. That's, that's how I treat baseball usually too. Any money on golf this weekend? I don't want to talk about it. Oh boy. It's already going that poorly. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, it's one of those tournaments where it's the Mexico open with these tournaments. I either win a shit ton of money or I just get crushed because mm. you're essentially, there's a couple big names in the field and there's no value taking those guys. Cause it's still kind of like a coin flip if they're going to play really well. And then you're just like throwing darts at the dartboard and hoping like it sticks on the rest of the guys in the field. Okay. Yeah. Now I've got a couple of DraftKings lineups that are looking, looking all right, all right. but I'm, I'm just, I'm, I fall along no matter what I'm again, that's my one kind of niche sport that I'm a sicko for. Um, and I love being caught up and in tune with everything once we get closer to the masters and obviously once we get to the masters, but I just love golf too, that there's great stretches. Like we just had the West coast swing. Some people will pay attention to that. Just probably just on Saturday and Sunday, maybe, maybe just on Sunday. And then now there's a couple tournament, two tournaments in a row where it's like, eh, most people just tune out and then you get the Florida swing. And then like the masters is a week or two away. So I'm a, as much shit as the PGA tour gets, I'm still a fan of their product tray. Uh, yeah, I think the PGA Tour is doing pretty well. They're they're trying to cater more to the players too. This pressure that was put on them by Live Golf, Live Golf Tour is still going on, also, isn't it? Because that Saudi investment fund deal is looks like it's falling through on the PGA side. Yeah, it's the deal that they keep tell, telling us that they're continuing to negotiate, and then when they're supposed to release details every time, they just move the deadline. So. Mm. And supposedly, I've, I've been told by business folks that uh, well, deadlines make deals. Well, not in, not in this case, apparently, when you can just keep kicking the deadline down the road. Yeah, if it's a hard and fast deadline where one side is having to pay a penalty if they don't come to an agreement and there's a drop dead date, then yeah, deadlines do make deals. But otherwise, like you said, it's just uh, it's just playing footsie with one another, I guess. Yeah, and I'm trying to enjoy this, like, this part of the PGA Tour, like this kind of point in time especially as somebody that does drafting for it and has bet bet too, too. i'm trying, I'm trying to, to enjoy finding find value, value in it so i'm gonna give you a quick recap of our time at kalahari last week it was a wednesday through friday trip this is an annual trip for us that we almost always take in january but we decided to go in february this year in part because schedules weren't weren't aligning the first month of the year and unfortunately, our timing was not good because going into President's Day, there were a lot of people that had the same idea that we do. And I guess there were some schools that were actually off on Thursday and Friday of last week as well. So what was an empty water park over the last couple of years was a less empty water park and one that was bordering on annoying by late Thursday and certainly on Friday too. And it just reminded me, how much I despise waiting in line for anything, even anything that tastes good or is a lot of fun. Lines fucking suck. I don't understand. Every time I drive past an In-N-Out burger or a P. Terry's or, or, a, or a water burger or pick a place where there is a 
30-minute line of cars to get a fast food burger. I don't understand the deal. If you really want the burger that bad, park, go inside, you'll get the burger in half the time. And I, as much as I love that water park and as much fun as it can be, I had no patience to wait in lines for those rides either, unfortunately. The kids have a good time, well, yeah, the kids had a good time, of course. They're at a water park. They had the wave pool. Uh, it's just the uh, grumpy old man dad dad, and my brother, who is also a dad, who had the issues uh, standing in these obnoxious lines. And they don't and they do don't fast passes at Kalahari. No, they don't. That is something that they need to incorporate because I would have probably considered dropping way too much money to uh, to pass by the 15 or so people that I was having to stand behind every time I decided to get on one of those raft rides. I did do the human claw machine. You're familiar with the claw machines that are at arcades across the country, right? The little like crane claw and it goes down and tries to pluck out stuffed animals. Well, they have a human claw now where it's not as cool as you're probably envisioning where they essentially, they secure you in this burlap piece of fabric that makes you look like a wounded dolphin that's being uh, transported from the ocean to a fucking sanctuary or something. And they lower you down and you just try and get a a giant rubber ball out of this, uh, this quote unquote ball pit. Very disappointing. The human claw machine. We had heard so much about it. My kids wanted to do it. They did. But in the end, nobody felt like it was worth the price of admission. Were they they in the the arcade arcade and all those other things? things? Yeah, oh yeah, they love the arcade, and there's like laser tag. The arcade element of Kalahari is maybe a little bit underrated. They've got putt-putt, they've got some indoor roller coasters, the laser tag that I mentioned, they've got some escape rooms too. There's a lot going on at this place. But I just need to finish my Kalahari review with this, Jeff. There are a lot more post-look post Malone looking motherfuckers walking around this planet than I realize. And I think every single one of them were at Kalahari on Friday. I mean, it was like they took every bus stop in central Texas and the buses delivered them straight to Kalahari on Friday. I mean, it was Degen central at Kalahari on Friday. And Hey, look, if the face tattoo is something that's working for you, or you felt inspired to do that and you realize that it's probably going to ruin some, a job prospects down the road. Hey, it's a free country. You do what you want. But I am shocked at how many people are going down that road at this point. Like what, what age, age group are we talking? About? Dude, all ages. I saw an 11-year-old with face tattoos. No, not really. <laughs> but like, I mean, I, I feel like if from legal age, legal drinking age all the way up until probably my age, so mid-40s, actually a little bit older than me. I feel like I saw somebody with a face tattoo in their 50s. So I don't know if this is... Uh, this many people who are that broken or people who have been inspired by the post Malones of the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's not, not great. great. Just not like great, I over here. Hold on. Let me leave the studio for a second and I will come back in and your echo will be gone. I'll be right back. <laughs> it's always Trey's fault. Always Trey's fault. I, I, Roy, appreciate you pointing that out. I really tried it all here. This is this is this is what we were left with. Trey needed to leave the studio. See if he comes back. See if he comes back with a post face tat. How about now? Oh, let's see. Check, check, check. 
said it's better. I don't know what it is. Sometimes I just have to leave the studio to get you guys' echoes to go away. Do so. you hear what I said? I said I told Roy, I'm like, thanks for pointing that out. Maybe, maybe he'll leave and come back with a face tat. Oh man. Yeah, I wish I had a, a face tattoo on hand, a temporary face tattoo on hand that I could have done that. Yes, the ripoff machine, Grant. That is correct. That human claw machine is bullshit. Is Don't it expensive? Like, what is it? Like, like I mean, I, 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 I get the idea. I mean, you explained the idea well, but like, why is it not worth? Why is it not worth the money? Is it super expensive or it's just lame? It is twenty bucks, so it's not cheap. It's like twenty yeah, bucks a for a minute. And let me see. Let me see if I can pull up a video real quick. Human claw machine. So basically, <laughs> Post Malone has inspired dudes across the world, to, across the country at least, to get face tats. Is it, this was your uh, this was your takeaway from uh, going to Kalahari? That is not what I would have predicted you to come away with. Dude, it is wild how many people have face tattoos. Shocking, I would say. And it makes me uh, think that uh, the face tattoo thing is going to be normalized pretty soon to where it's not going to be costing people good jobs. It's just like, hey, you got a face tattoo. Cool. Maybe we need to uh, maybe we need to give Mike Tyson a little more credit. Oh, Mike Tyson was one of the uh, face tattoo originators, wasn't he? Yeah, face tat OG. Definitely never say something bad about Mike Tyson with his face tattoos. Yep. That would get me killed. On cue, Roy. Mike Tyson had the face tat before Post Malone. Yes, he did, but Mike Tyson's face tattoos are a little bit more artistic looking than Post Malone's. Post Malone's look like somebody straightened out a paperclip and got a big pen and gave him those tattoos in prison. I realized they didn't give him those tattoos in prison, but that's what those tattoos look like. And that's what the tattoos that I was seeing all over Kalahari look like too. How are the Roy to it on the uh the Mike? Oh no, you you beat Roy to it on the uh, the Mike Tyson tattoo. I see. How are the rooms there? Uh, the rooms are fine. They I think they have nicer rooms, but we don't splurge on the rooms because we're. That's so not really why you're there. No, we're only in the rooms at night to go to sleep. So, um, we everybody had their own bed, which is nice, and uh, the rooms serve their purpose as uh helping uh helping get some sleep. But other than that. It was uh, all about some of the other fun, some decent restaurants out there too. The highlight of the trip for me, believe it or not, was going to Goodstock by Nolan Ryan. I forget. Do you guys live in Maine or Elgin? Uh, Ma- no, uh, Hutto. Hutto, excuse so me. So we're we're like we're like ten minutes from from Kalahari. I go to Goodstock quite a bit to really random. I get their butter. Oh, really? Their their compound butter that I'll put on. I'll like top off the steaks with. I didn't even check that out. That was my first time in there, though. Um, good stock by Nolan Ryan. Blown away by the meat selection. And I got two of the best strip steaks of my entire life. Like my yeah, family, it's all, I'll say it's all really good quality there. Really good quality. They've got non-beef products, too. They've got the compound butters. They've got a good wine selection to go with uh, some of those meats. So highly recommend it to people. If you are in that area, it's just east of Dell Diamonds. It's that very next stoplight. There's a Hat Creek Burger Company right there. Uh, it's next to the Summer Moon. So go there. It's a boutique butcher shop, I guess is the best way to put it. But it's not expensive like you think with uh, boutique shops. Uh, check it out. Good stock by Nolan Ryan. So that was the biggest highlight for me of the uh, the water park this year was, uh, was the steaks that I got at the end of the water park trip. <laughs> hey, but the kids had fun. 
the kids had fun and, and you learned something about Post Malone's influence on the world, Trey. A lot of Post Malone looking motherfuckers walking around this world. And with that, we end another day of Texas Sports Unfiltered. Thank you, Jeff. Always a pleasure, man. We'll talk to you on Monday. Yeah, looking forward to it. And thanks to everybody for listening. If you have not already, please do subscribe to Texas Sports Unfiltered. Click the thumbs up if you liked any of today's video and download that free app through the App Store on your phone. Just search Texas Sports Unfiltered in that App Store. For Jeff and everybody else here at Texas Sports Unfiltered, we'll talk to you on Monday, other than Adam Wagner, who will be with the Wagner Wire on Sunday morning. In the meantime, have a great weekend and hook them.